0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode 11 of Dime Dropper. Before we get started, make sure to subscribe on all platforms at Dime Dropper Pod on Twitter and Instagram, as well as Facebook, and to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and our YouTube channel at Dime Dropper Podcast, and to follow us on Spotify. So, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm going to start out with a couple of things in the direction um, in which this podcast or show is headed. And. What that means is now that football and soccer are back, uh, I did say in my intro video, I didn't want to, even though basketball is kind of the umbrella topic, I didn't want to make this just a basketball podcast. So I'm going to start putting time keys at uh, on my episodes in the description. So if you are a fan of soccer, if you are a fan of football, and you only listen to that, or if you only listen to basketball stuff, then you can kind of listen to what you want to listen to, and it's all in your control. Um... But yeah, in this episode, I'm going to just talk briefly about football, but mostly about basketball and soccer will reserve for the completion of week one, at least of the Premier League. Um, So let's talk about basketball, as much as I don't want to, and I'm not going to talk about anything else before. Let's get right to it. I've seen this movie before, guys. I mean, I find it so funny. That The way I started this podcast was in my first episode talking about what it meant for me to be a Clipper fan, how hard it is, and to reflect on the 3-1 lead we blew to Houston. Well, it's taken 11 episodes, and I think you guys being on this ride with me, listening to my episodes, can already tell exactly what I mean. And you can never feel how I feel unless you're a Clipper fan, but you can see what I mean. We don't deserve this, man. I don't deserve this. It's truly not normal for this to constantly happen so many times. I've never seen a team, and when I say a team, I don't mean this year's team. I mean a franchise, get so close to getting out of a certain point, and every single time, it's like something from above just says, we do not want the Clippers to make it to the conference finals. Like, we cannot let them, basketball gods, make them to the conference finals. All of a sudden, every second half or every portion of a game, there's a lid on the basket. I mean, Game 5 and Game 6 were literally bringing me right back to Game 6 against Houston. Identical carbon copies of both. With a totally new player with Mr. Kawhi Leonard that I've been hyping up all year. What the fuck happened to Mr. Kawhi Leonard? Like, I'm not like totally blaming it on Kawhi, but I've been talking about how he's the best player in the NBA and that's what you're going to do? That's what you're going to do. It's not entirely his fault. Um, It's time to, I've been saying it for so long now. It's time for Doc Rivers to go. How many years are we going to put up with this shit? How many years of his overrated title in Boston, that shit, I cannot believe you Celtics fans got that title, because you had to overcome the obstacles of having this overrated coach that is Doc Rivers, and you know what, you underachieved, you won one ring with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, Rondo and Ray Allen, you won one fucking ring, and then he wants to make excuses about Kendrick Perkins, you know what, let's make real excuses, how about Andrew Bynum missing the whole series in 08, that led you guys to win. How about that excuse? We can do this all day. Doc Rivers is overrated as fuck. He's so overrated. And you know what? Since I have a platform to say everything, he's like, you can't blame this on Doc. you got to blame it on the players. Okay, here's the thing. I do blame it on the players. The players get the most blame. Paul George gets cold. Kawhi got cold. Marcus got... I mean, every fucking person got cold. They lose the defensive focus. They lose their pace. They start getting stagnant. It's the same story that we've seen all year, but they haven't been blowing leads like this consecutively. And Kawhi's been incredible all year in terms of when it's the second half, he always turns it up. When it's even in the first round, when it was the second half, he always turned it up. I I said to myself, we just never have had a player like this. Well, right now, he's looking just like Chris Paul. I mean, he might as Kawhi leonard in the second round with the Clippers, he might as well be Chris Middleton. Because it's just like the aura is gone, he just becomes another dude. And the and the lid's on the basket, the curse. Like, I never really believed in the curse, guys. Like, I use it as a figurative, like, you know, like, we're going to break the curse and it's just going to feel so good. No, I'm truly believing in it now. I truly believe it. Because you know what? This series is over. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This series was over in game five. I knew it when we had the chance. We blew it. I see a choke from a mile away. I'm experienced in these situations. I know exactly what it looks like. And this is exactly what it looks like. And wh- hearing the press conference comments of Doc, of PG, of Kawhi after the game make me feel even less confident. Because, here's the thing. Let me just explain all the mistakes Doc Rivers has made. He had one good year in 2014 when we first took over with the team. 2015, he completely blew it with the 3-1. His team came out, and obviously, once again, the players that take accountability, but the mentality starts on the coach. Game 5, he... Like, we just didn't even look like we wanted to play, thus giving Houston momentum. And in Game 6, his countless, and we've seen this Throughout the course of his tenure coaching the Clippers. Countless refusal to call timeouts when runs are being made. Acting like he has, you know, experienced champions out there. Oh, they'll figure it out. You're not fucking Phil Jackson, dude. You're not Phil Jackson. You can't be running that shit. No, they'll figure it out. Figure out what? By the time they figure it out, it's too late. Like, that was the first mistake. And we gave him the benefit of that. We said, you know what? It's his second year. He can come back for a third. Well, he comes back for a third, he does okay, and then we lose first round to Portland, and you know what? It wasn't really his fault. I'll say it. But then that's when he became president of basketball operations, and thus had so much power over our franchise, and could basically do whatever he wanted, which turned a lot of players off. For example, Chris Paul. You know, when he gave Austin Rivers the bag, a lot of players lost respect for him, because it's like... You know, you don't like the coach's son in the rec league or the YMCA. It's already like he's got that favoritism, let alone on the NBA level. Are you kidding me? And then we get to 2017, which was the year that I was firmly on the fire Doc Rivers crusade. And that was for multiple reasons. That year was the year that we were looking at it like this is our last year with Lob City to really do something. And what I noticed was... The certain games, you know, those games on ESPN Wednesday against contenders, Houston or Golden State that I'd get up for and be like, you know what, if I really believe this is the year the Clippers can turn it around because we have depth now, we got Mo Buckets, you know, Brendan Bass, uh, you know, these kind of guys, I'm like, you know, what? we're going to turn it up now. We got embarrassed and a clear lack of effort on a nightly basis. Uh... You know, lack of chemistry, lack of effort, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, the main mistakes, especially that ended up showing up in the first round against Utah. How many times did J.J. Redick and Jamal Crawford take the court together? Two straight-up defensive liabilities on the playoff level taking the court together when the best defender that I have ever seen in a single season with the Clippers, Luke Bamute in 2017, our shutdown guy that could guard anyone in the NBA, would sit on the bench in the fourth quarter as we wallowed away not being able to get stops. And this motherfucker just sits there. And then he consistently does that no-timeout stuff. So then we lose with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, and it's like, okay, can we fire Doc? No, they want to keep him around. They're like, oh, it was just the team. And then after 2018, we didn't make the playoffs. Oh, we traded Blake Griffin. It was just the team. Doc's still the guy to lead us across. And then last year, and the ridiculous amount of bullshit media uh, uh, praise for Doc's like, man, he's done such a good job with this team. He didn't do any good job with this team. They were just a bunch of dogs that were hungry, that had no expectations. Kind of like OKC this year. Very similarly to OKC this year. And now when he has expectations again, let me be honest, I only feel confident because of our players. If anything, Doc Rivers makes me feel less confident. And this year has been all about, oh, let's rest until the playoffs. Let's, you know, make sure, let's not risk it. Let's make sure, you know, we'll get that chemistry, you know, we'll find it. It's only a matter of time. We're not going to practice much this season. We only practiced a couple times this season with Paul and Kawhi. Well, it's all looking like it's biting us in the ass now. Because there's a reason why the Lakers are the number one seed. They've had this continuity. I truly believe that we are the best team. Like, the funny part is, I do not know what to do with our squad. Because I think our squad's really good. I really think we have the right squad. But it's so confusing to me. Because we come out and we look like the best team in the league some nights based on just pure talent. But there is no... Like, we don't really have that chemistry on the court like when i said when i was talking about miami a couple podcasts ago and i was saying how they just we don't look like that we don't look like that and it's especially on the defensive end even the lakers look more in sync on defense you know the media wants to keep hyping up these individual defenders like Kawhi and paul and patrick beverly It doesn't matter in the nba these days you have to be a team defensively you have to know your coverages you have to be good in the pick and roll defensively against certain teams with these rules that handicap the defense so much so as a team you have to be better and we have no organization. We never have had. When was the last time I've ever said in my life, oh, this Clipper team's a really well-coached team? Never. Never. We never are a well-coached team. We're never a brilliant offensive team. We're never a brilliant defensive team. We just make it on pure talent. How many times have people said, oh, this Clipper team is underachieved with Doc Rivers? How many times Big Baby went on the herd a couple years ago and said it's over? Four years ago. And this series, this playoffs, are seeing the same mistakes over and over. Refusal to call timeouts during runs. He did it in game five. He did it in game six. And the worst one of all, he consistently leaves Trez out there with Jokic. When We've seen it against Boban. We've seen it. When there's any center with seven feet tall, with skill, Montrez cannot play. And he consistently experiments. Before it's too late, and then Jokic gets hot and starts making threes. How many times? How many fucking times? We have a totally different team now. And the same exact thing is happening. The same going cold. The same not knowing what to do. The same... Like... I can't get that mad at Kawhi Leonard because I saw him do it in Toronto last year. I saw what he did. And anybody that wants to tell me, you got lucky because no Warriors. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Because... 1989, the the Pistons got lucky. 2015, the, the Warriors got lucky. So we can play that game all day long. At the end of the day, Kawhi Leonard still played Clay, Draymond, and Steph for almost all the finals games. A very good Milwaukee team and a very solid Philly team. And he still got through it. This Nuggets team is nothing special. They fight till the last minute and they have a lot of streaky guys. And they're young and they have a great future. But there's no excuse for this. We were up by double digits in both games. And they consistently want to do this to us. Like, here's the thing. Once they blow this 3-1 lead, and you know what? If they don't blow it, first of all, I think the season's already over because there's no way we beat the Lakers this out of sync. And for me, the regular season, and Charles Barkley said something really good one time. He said, people say you're better than your record. No, you're not. Because here's the thing. Even if you have injuries, that means that you haven't been playing with that particular player all season. So, you don't have the same level of chemistry that the one seed has, being healthy all season with their squad. You don't, no matter how much talent you have. And the Clippers have kind of tried to, oh, we'll get it right in the playoffs. And I think that all these things that would have happened. I mean, you never know. I, I never could tell you, you know, how Lou, Lou Williams and Montrez are very obviously haven't been playing too well uh, in the in the GSL. But Montrez, I think it's because. He hasn't gotten his rhythm because he's also not been playing his normal minutes because Zoo's been needed at the end of games. And that's the way it's going to have to go to beat certain teams, especially with, with elite big men like AD and Jokic. And I always talk about in my podcast about how bad the big men are in today's NBA. Well, there are some exceptions to this. And one of them is Nikola Jokic. A guy that knows how to use his size and a guy that's probably a biggest, the biggest mismatch for us of any team because when he he's hitting these Dirk Nowitzki one-legged fadeaway threes, just they don't even hit the any part of the rim. Like they just go straight through the net. And I'm a big Jokic guy. Like I've been a fan of his for four years, talking about him. Like anyone that knows me knows I've been so early on the Jokic bandwagon. Like he's awesome. He's definitely the best center in the league, and he's outplaying Kawhi in this series. He's literally outplaying Kawhi, which is unbelievable to me and horrible. And Kawhi needs to be better. But, like, what I don't understand is this every single, you know, series last year with Toronto and every single game this year and, you know, the uh, first round against Dallas. He just, every second half, Kawhi always gets better as the game goes. The Clippers have kind of gotten better as the game goes because Kawhi gets better as the game goes. And now it's the exact opposite. We're starting out great and then we're closing like shit. I really don't know how to explain it, guys, but I really do believe in curses. Like I re- until I'm proven I'm I'm the type of guy, and everyone's like, "Why are you so negative? Why are you so negative?" If you have a team that's won a championship, shut up and don't talk to me because you don't understand what I what it feels like to be like in this situation. You don't understand. You don't understand why how you never see success and when you do it's con- it, it, immediately you have somebody that brings you back to square one. You know, in this postseason, I've gone from thinking, within the last five days, I've gone from thinking we're going to win this championship to I, I may not ever see a Clipper championship before I die anymore. Because no matter what, something goes wrong. And the only thing that we can change this summer, in my opinion, that's, that's you know, worth it, is to fire Doc. Because I'm honestly not too mad about Paul George. I thought he would be the key to why we didn't lose. But he's been pretty good. He hasn't even been that bad in the second round. But uh, one of the things I also think is happening is We're spending so much time trying to get Paul George going, letting him run the point, letting him run in pick and rolls. Like, a lot of time trying to make sure he gets going. And we're like, oh, Kawhi can find his shot at any time. Well, Kawhi's not getting going. And if we want Kawhi to be the best player in the NBA and lead us to the championship, he's going to have to be the best player on our team first. And I'm really tired of this 1A, 1B bullshit with Paul George. It's not 1A, 1B. It's Kawhi's team and PG's the sidekick. Okay? It's like in Miami... When, when, when they won the championships, it was LeBron is first, D-Wade is secondary. Now, it's always was D-Wade's team because that's Wade County. That's his culture that he built. But this is a new... Kawhi and PG have been here the same amount of time. Kawhi's is the best player. This is his team. So, Kawhi in Game 7, he, I need to see him go Kobe style. I want him to shoot 40 times. In Game 7 last year against Philly, he shot 39 times. So, I want to see him say, you know what? Fuck Doc Rivers in his game plan. We're going to go... I'm shooting 40 shots tonight. Because... We're going to have to fall on his shoulders. And everyone's saying, oh, Kawhi's not going to let you lose game seven. As far as I'm concerned, I thought Kawhi Leonard was better than this. But with the Clipper uniform on, he's just another dude in the second round that can't make a shot. I'm serious. Until proven otherwise, and I'll come out here and admit I was wrong. And once again, I really don't think we're going to win the championship this year. It's just not our year. Because if we do somehow make it out of this series and break the barrier, one of two things could happen. Either we break the barrier and a huge weight is lifted off everyone's shoulders and we go on to win it all, or the likely scenario, which is if we somehow even win this game, which I doubt because the momentum is completely shifted, and you know what, they're they're showing that stat like no team has ever come back from a 3-1 deficit twice in one postseason. Well, who better to do it against than the Clippers to become the first franchise to blow 2-3-1 leads? It just almost seems too good to be true. It almost seems too good to be true for everyone else. And for the storylines. And to have LeBron cruise to the finals by avoiding us. And it's not his fault. It's our fault. You know? And it's sick. Because he's going to go on him in his fourth ring. And I'm going to have to hear it. And I'm going to be wrong as shit. And it's going to be horrendous. Because I really... Everything that I've been saying has been coming true, basically. Until. And you know It's really frustrating. Until this. And it's really frustrating because I see the all the flaws in the Lakers. There's so many flaws in this team. I mean, there's so many flaws in every team this year. It's not like the Warriors or the Spurs. Like, I see LeBron's constant over-dribbling. I see what he looks like when his shot's not falling and how unconfident he looks and, and how easy it is to kind of shut him down a bit. Like, he can still get his 20 on 7-15, to 15, but that's not doing anything. Like, he can still get his triple-double, but that's not doing anything for the other team. I see how unconfident he looks. I see the risky passes and turnovers he throws. I see how cold the role players in the Lakers can go. I see how AD gets a little uh, rattled when he gets pushed outside away for the basket. But what they do always have is their defense is very consistent and their energy stays consistent throughout the game. And that's one thing the Clippers do not have. And it really stems from, I think Vogel's done a good job this year, man. I think Vogel's done a really good job. And I think that, this is going to be a blessing in disguise, even though I am going to be in such pain from this 3 one, like I'm already like, you know, I see Twitter and you know various chats and whatever, and I'm already feeling as bad as it is, and I'm an experienced vet in being in situations where I'm shitted on for how my team does. as I explained in the first episode in 2015 that was torturous. you know I didn't even want to wake up out of bed the next morning. And I think this is going to be even 100 times worse. Even though it's the GSL and we're not at Stable Center and it's not as bad and I wasn't as involved in the playoff run as per se I was before, it's going to be a lot worse because I actually thought this team had the chance to win the championship. I really thought we were the best team, and I still think we are. But they don't lock in. They get rattled. They don't play like a team. There's been a very much lack of continuity this season with the team. And we can't do that anymore. And Doc Rivers has been doing it for years. And I'm so tired of him. I need him out of this city now. I need him out. He's a... You know, he's the only coach to ever blow two 3-1 leads. And now he's going to make it three. And people want to say it's coincidence and me not to blame Doc. The only constant from 2015 and now is Doc. It's nothing. The players are completely different. And they're still doing it. Which tells me there's got to be something. Curse, Doc, anything to help break the curse, Doc needs to go. And... I'm just, I've just lost all confidence, man. I've lost all confidence. Uh, I think that the Lakers will beat us if we do get lucky enough to make it just because this ain't our year. Now, next year could very well be our year, and I love it if we could win the, with, with the fans. That would be the utmost revenge. But right now, I just don't feel it, man. And I know it's a game seven, but Paul George has the audacity to say in the press conference, we're still in the driver's seat. What driver's seat? Are you fucking kidding? All the pressure's on you. If we lose, we're going to get embarrassed. And you know what? I don't give a shit what these players think. And I don't care how they feel. Because we were there for 2015. They weren't. They were all on different teams. We're still there. And we're not getting paid millions. We have to watch you choke all the time. And you get our expectations high. For something that we're not even playing in. And you know, that's the main thing I realized with this choke again. Is, you know, every single time... The Clippers or something happens in the NBA. Like, for example, it happened when LeBron signed with the Lakers, and I was like, you know what? This is just my worst nightmare. I'm just not even going to, like, get emotionally invested in basketball anymore. I'm just going to watch the games, and I'm not going to care about wins and losses. I'm going to only get happy for the wins, but I'm not going to care too much about the losses because in the end, it's not affecting my life technically. Well, you know what happened? 2019 season happened, and LeBron didn't make the playoffs. The Lakers shat the bed. LeBron quit on his team, and the Clippers made the playoffs and beat the Warriors in two games so that reignited my fire and to think that you know what there are there is some hope after all there is some hope that after Chris Paul and Blake the Clippers can actually break through the hump and then getting Kawhi Leonard about when Kawhi was about to sign with the Lakers I was really ready to shut it down I was like yeah I don't I just I can't care about basketball I can't and then Kawhi comes and I mean that was like wow it was meant to be like the Clippers are gonna win this is it this is what had to happen and now it's, it's hap- I mean, 3-1, my least, like, my, my worst nightmare. I thought my worst nightmare would be losing to LeBron and the Lakers in the conference finals. This is even worse. This is the worst nightmare. What have we done to deserve this, man? We're not an arrogant fan base. Like, we're really not. If you actually come listen and talk to Clipper fans, real Clipper fans, we're not an arrogant fan base. How can we be? It's just, it's so sad because I'm going to have to, you know, I'm not the type of person that's going to, hide from being wrong uh that's the main thing I can't stand if you cannot admit you're wrong don't talk to me period because I will and I posted on Twitter yesterday and I'm I'm kind of getting off Twitter for a bit and I need to go over some things before we move on to the next topic because I don't really know what else to say about the Clippers except for that this is over uh we're gonna have to come back next year with a vengeance Kawhi let me down I mean as of now he can't be considered the best player in the league because he has no excuses Uh, I don't want to hear that team stuff. Our team is just out of sync defensively. And one thing I want to know, what need to do with Jokic is... I don't want to see, we're giving him way too many open shots. We're letting him get going on these pick and pops, on these pick and rolls. Like, we need to let Murray get run off the three-point line, let him get some contested floaters, let him kick it out to shooters, let him get some layups. It's fine. As long as we do not let Joker get open jumpers. Like, we need to make it a point. No easy shots for Joker. We should double him late in the shot clock, not early, uh, and then, pay more attention to him on pick and pop. We can't just show and recover. There's no 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 no. No hedge and recover, no show and recover, no nothing, no drop and recover, no nothing. We need to straight up just you know, get out to Joker and let Murray get on the downhill and get a rotator uh, or someone to rotate cuz we if Joker has one bad game, I think we're going to win. But Kawhi needs to outplay Jokic. He hasn't outplayed him in a couple of games, and that's the reason why we've lost. At the end of the day, you can always look that it starts from the top. But Doc Rivers is definitely the most at fault if there was one individual to be at fault. And Steve Ballmer better get his head out of his ass and stop acting like this dude is freaking Greg Popovich and fire his ass once we lose. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm going to get off Twitter for a bit because at least until the duration of the season because um, it just makes me stressed. And I, I already, as in pain I, as I am with the Clippers and the results, have to hear it from my f- friends. And then going on Twitter just makes me see it more and more and just adds some more negativity to my life and adds more stress to my life. And until I don't give a shit about how, how, much, how well the Clippers do anymore, like to this level, I, I can't really be on that right now. Like I just, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I just see it constantly and it, it just... It's really depressing. And if I want to move on with my life after we blow this through on lead quicker and not mope around and not act like I just like broke up with my girlfriend, which I've never had, um, then I need to get off Twitter and, you know, be more productive. Another reason I'm off, I'm trying to get off for a bit and take a little tea break, so to speak, is because I get distracted. I get distracted. I'm constantly on it and I'm constantly talking to people, whatever. And, you know, I'm not getting on with my life the same way. And... That just can't happen. I just don't have the self-control. Everyone's saying, you know, it's up to you. You don't have to delete it out. You don't have to go so extreme. I have no self-control. So, it's also a good scheme for this. If you really want to listen to my thoughts, come listen to my episodes because I'm not going to be posting and live tweeting anymore for a bit until the season's over and then I can kind of start doing what I want to do and this off season I have so many plans guys so many guests so many conversations a lot of different conversations and we're going to start delving into the history of the game I want my my listeners to be the most knowledgeable fans and I can't not tell you how many Gen Z cuck responses I still see from my own followers probably cuz you haven't listened to all the episodes I highly encourage you to do so guys I'm trying to make you a more knowledgeable basketball fan. There are right or wrong answers. It has nothing to do with me saying LeBron this, LeBron that. It's just about putting context into situations and rankings and going past what the media is willing to tell you and what they want to push in your face. Make your own opinions. Go form your own. Go do some research. Go understand and devolve the misconceptions that we hear of the game. So yeah, I'm going to be off Twitter. And then after the season comes, we're going to keep educating people. We're going to keep talking about people uh the old legends of the game. We're going to be doing old video breakdowns. It's gonna be a great time. But until then, uh Boston coming out with the big Game 7 victory. Great for them. I did call it Celtics in seven, so happy for that one. It's been a great season for the Toronto Raptors. Uh and Kyle Lowry and Siakam who really Siakam really blew it in this series. I mean, he's gonna have a lot of questions coming into the next season of how well he can really lead a team because Consensus is at the end of the season, I'd say Lowry was the best player on this team, not Siakam. The best players who shows up in the playoffs, ladies and gentlemen, and Siakam failed to do so. Tatum, Kemba, and Jalen, congrats back to the conference finals for for the Celtics. This is the third time in four years. Uh, I'm not surprised, and it's a great season for them, redeeming themselves from the catastrophe they had last season. Uh, Tatum was awesome in Game 7, you know. He still makes those young player mistakes, You know, his finishing around the basket still needs work, but Tatum is getting better every year. I love his attitude. I love his humility. He is a superstar in the making. He's maybe just becoming a superstar right now in front of us this season. And the future's bright for Boston. However, Miami has been resting, has been watching. I think they're even more well-coached of a team. I think that they have so many guys to throw out there on various Celtics. And I think they're so in rhythm, and they have so many weapons. So I am going to go with the Miami Heat in seven games, people. It's Boston, your run is over. I need to see you guys go now because any possibility of a non-Laker Celtics finals is better for me. Because uh, then it would just be a lose-lose both sides. I have to hear it from either side. So Celtics need to go. And it's funny because one of my friends, actually, Rami, that we had on uh, episode two, uh, Said he doesn't really want a Lakers-Celtics finals because to him in this bubble in the GSL, it'll taint what Lakers-Celtics really was for him in 2010. Like he needs, he was saying there's no real rivalry anymore, It's it's part of what I said. The NBA doesn't even allow people to talk shit anymore, so there's no real rivalries. Jason Tatum against LeBron in the in the Orlando bubble GSL, that is a. I mean, I kind of get where he's coming from. Like that's kind of a disgrace to. Larry and Magic, Russell and Jerry, uh, Pierce, Gardett, and G- Kobe, and all those guys. You know, you need it to be in Boston and L.A., man. Uh, but, you know, I don't really care anymore. Uh, after the Clippers are gone, I really couldn't give two shits what happens. Uh, anything but LeBron winning would be nice. I mean, I hate—guys, Laker fans, I really don't like doing this. Like, I really would love to root for the Lakers. But it's impossible to root for this guy, man. It's impossible to root for him and his fans because— his fans are really what's wrong with this, with the, with the, with the modern fan, the Gen Z cucks. The Gen Z cucks are all his fans. Once again, if you want to, my litmus test of your basketball knowledge is your opinion of him. If your opinion of him is the good one, uh, and, and you see what he does wrong, and you look, see through the bullshit. I think you're a knowledgeable fan. If you think he's the greatest player ever, or he really even close to Jordan, you're missing a point, even brainwashed by modern media or Gen Z cucks. Uh, or you're missing a point of the game that you think that the game is about statistics and not about the winning goal. Now, hey, LeBron may end up winning the championship this year. I think that was an amazing closeout series against Houston. I think the Lakers are rolling on all cylinders. I think Caruso, I think Rondo. I think it's it's right now when the role players are making shots, I mean, forget about it. I mean, the Lakers can't be stopped, especially when they're in, in sync like this defensively. And I think LeBron has been really good defensively, and that's why I'd give him the edge as right now he's playing like the best player in the league because, especially because the Lakers were running a zone a lot of the time in the last series, LeBron is better in the zone because his thing on defense is to be able to quarterback, to be able to see where the play is going, and, you know, he studies so much film. He's like, you know, one of the basketball savants. He knows where the play is going. He knows to read certain things. LeBron's weakness on defense has always been he's not great laterally. He's very easy to get beaten. And a lot of times he goes for that chase-down block is how he kind of recovers and makes up his ground. But he's much better in a zone. And I think that's why he looked so good against Houston. But, uh, yeah, I got to give credit where it's due. LeBron's been great. Uh, AD's been fantastic, too. It's been, you know, two top five players in the league. I I don't, I don't know why Laker fans, you know, what modern Gen Z bullshit is they want to put it so much on the supporting cast. Yeah, they got to make some shots. But when LeBron and AD are rolling, there's not much people can do about it. Uh... Where was I going to go with this? Oh, yeah, so another thing. Uh, yeah, so me being off Twitter, right now, in terms of what I'm doing, in terms of writing, right now I'm still looking for a job. But uh, I'm only running writing for the Ryan Show Sports now. Uh, I'm no longer writing for Overtime Heroics or write, or or running the OTH LAC page that's totally on them now. And uh, if, if you did get to know me on that or if you got to follow me off of that, just know that um, – uh, it, there's fits and not fits for everybody in this world, and uh you can kind of tell who you're around and I don't feel like that fit was ever natural personally. I don't feel as though i i mean when you when you hit somebody off Twitter and that you start meeting them and talking to them off Twitter without any conversations on the phone without any real you know you don't even hear their voice, it's not a natural relationship that's not a natural partnership, and for me, I'm not the type of guy once again. I need to be all in. I don't have any self control. I need to be if I'm in something, I'm gonna be involved. i to be talking in the chats. I'm gonna be, you know, all about it. If I ain't all about it, it's just putting on more stress for me. So I'm also not getting paid a cent and I'm just getting into arguments in the chats of people that don't see the game the same as me. And uh let's put it this way, when I talk about Gen Z cucks, let's just say when you have people that haven't graduated from high school, if you haven't like if you haven't graduated from high school, if you don't if you're too young to remember the twenty ten finals between the Lakers and the Celtics, don't talk to me about basketball, please. Don't talk to me about basketball. <laughs> At all. Unless I see you do your research, which no one does really thoroughly. Um, but anyway, to end it off, we'll talk a little football. Uh, once again, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm, I'm young into the football fandom. It's only my fifth year being a real fan of the NFL. So I don't know about too much stuff. I mean, I will say this. It's, it's very interesting seeing Tom Brady... Uh, in a different uniform yesterday, and you know, good for the Pat to start out uh, winning ways. You know, this is going to be the the test of what we've been talking about for so long: is it Brady more or is it Belichick more? So we'll really see here this season. I mean, Brady is old; he is not the same Tom Brady he once was. I don't even know how he's still playing. But uh, for the Rams, hey, got off to winning ways yesterday. Life after Gurley, you know, I really loved Gurley. I love having a great running back on my team, but. Dude, that's SoFi Stadium. So I haven't really talked about this much on the podcast because it's been very basketball heavy. But, man, my – I've always had this dream as a little kid, like, to get a football team here in L.A. Because I'm, like, the biggest L.A. homer there is. You won't see a better L.A. homer than me. I was like – everyone's like, yo, what football team you like? I said, I don't got a football team. We don't have one. I don't really see any reason – to like any team. There was no player that attracted me. There was no team that attracted me. I did like the Seahawks because they had Pete Carroll and my dad went to USC and I fell in love with Reggie Bush and all those guys in the mid-2000s. But, you know, it's just no, no connection. You know, it's not, not a connection. Chelsea, I have my aunt. I, I You know, I have family in London. I don't have anything with football. So there was no reason for me to pick a team. And I knew that one day, you know, the biggest county in the the freaking country is going to get one, eventually. It felt like it it was never going to happen. But, you know, I'll never forget the day I woke up from a nap on January, I think, 10th or 12th, 2016. And it said that the Rams were relocating to Inglewood. And then the picture, every time we, we drive by a big abandoned site or anything of, or a quarry or anything of sorts, it would always make me think, Man, imagine if that was our football stadium whenever we get a team. It was a dream, a lifelong dream. For one day for me to be in some brand new huge football stadium and be like, wow, like this isn't what I saw as a kid. This was my dream. We got a football stadium. And you know, the blueprint of SoFi looked so cool for so many years. I went to the first couple games in the Coliseum uh, 2016-17 when we first moved back. It was a fun time, but... It didn't feel like we had a new NFL team. It felt like a glorified college game at the Coliseum. It was stuffy. It was crowded. It was old. didn't feel like we, you know, progressed in LA football. Like one of the reasons we lost the Rams and the Raiders was because of the Coliseum not being, you know, your ideal NFL venue anymore. And it just didn't feel like an NFL team. And I said, you know what? Once we get that new stadium, it's going to, the fans, the experience, everything's going to take off in LA. And boy, oh boy. Uh, flying over it on my way back from UMass so many times and just seeing its progression every single time You know, I remember when it was just They had the the decks laid out But you know the seats obviously weren't in it. There was no field It was just a big pit with the decks of seats And then the la- next time I came, you know The roof was starting to go over it and the last time I came it looked like basically the finished product And wow, man, it looks fake like it straight up looks like a hologram watching it on TV, like, it looks unbelievable, I, I've run out of words to describe it, like, it's a dream come true, I mean, I was watching the game last night, in that huge stadium, it's so sad, of course, typical, you know, that the stadium finally gets opened up, and nobody can go, but man, oh man, just to see the stadium, and to think, for me to just process, like, that huge stadium, with that huge oculus, you know, Jumbotron that weighs 2 million pounds. They said it's the biggest stadium in the world in square footage. And, like, for me to think that that's in L.A., that's in my city, and that's never been a thing for me, and it's, we've never had a state-of-the-art football stadium like that in our, in our history. It's a dream come true, man. I, there's no words to describe it. I don't care if we go 1-15. One in, one in 15. It's just, it's a dream come true. Like, they built a fucking lake. They built a lake next to it, bruh. Like, I cannot wait, man. It's a dream. It's un it looks so fake. Like when I say go look at it, guys. Like it looks like a hologram. Open air stadium in the LA air and the beautiful weather, you know, open on both sides with that stupid nice, you know, roof that they've got. Wow, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like four tiers. It's incredible, man. It's like Cowboy Stadium in LA, so far, baby. That shit's gonna be for the Olympics, for the World Cup. It's gonna be elite, man. I can't wait to go. I just cannot wait to go. But anyway, to end it off, Clippers, I'm just prolonging the inevitable, man. If we win the game seven somehow, I'll get on here and I'll be really happy and we'll talk again. But don't expect anything, man. I expect us to, you know, next game, I'm not even going to be reacting to plays. I'm just going to be sitting there and, you know, we can can go up by 20. And until that final buzzer sounds, I'm going to be sitting in my chair stoic because I can't. I just can't. No one deserves to be let down this many times, and I, that's why I say I don't feel bad for any fan bases of any teams ever, no matter how bad. I don't care if you blow a 3 nothing lead. I don't care if you're 0-16 in football. I don't care, because no matter what, there's nothing worse than having a team that gives you expectations that lets you down. I was much more comfortable last year when we didn't make it as far, much more satisfied, much less stressed. There's nothing worse than this, and throughout this decade, it's been like that. And when you mix that expectations and failure with just constant failure there's the recipe for what you call the clipper history and it's the worst the knicks i just went back and i'm you know in my evolution of basketball i just finally finished 1972 and i'm looking to pick that up right when the season ends because i cannot wait to get go to watch some you know real basketball in the 80s when men were allowed to become men <laughs> but uh you know i just don't know what to say uh, the Knicks have not been that bad they 've won titles. I can still brag about it i don 't have this belief in a curse that we 're never going to make it out of the second round. you know i 'd rather be a hornets fan because they don 't have the expectations. They just never get here it 's cool. One day they will. say with New Orleans, you know whatever. until we break through this barrier i don 't believe in anything i don 't believe it till I see it that 's a lot of one of my models of life i don 't believe it till I see it, and until I see the clippers get out of the second round, we are cursed with a capital C and Kawhi Leonard seems to not be able to do anything about that but I want to see him chucking next game literally chucking because when Lou Williams doesn't hit he's a joke on defense and that's why Doc needs to stop playing around pull the plug on him if he's not playing defense and not hitting because we can't and if I see Jokic out there with Montrez again God that's all for the episode guys hope you enjoyed I surely didn't really enjoy this one and I probably won't enjoy the next one. Uh, just remember to subscribe. Let me know what you think. Right now, if you heard of this whole thing, text me right now. Hit me up. Insta. Uh, text. Facebook. Whatever you need. Peace.